Welcome back to After the Buzzer Sports Talk, and I'm your host, Aiden Mayer. All right, so once again against the Maple Leafs, the Bruins win 5-1 to one. Um, in Game 7 in Boston. What a game it was. It was a fun game to watch. Um, you know, what does this mean for everything? Well, let's just break down the game before I get into my predictions and whatnot. But actually, let's start with my predictions. I did predict that the Bruins would win. I thought they'd start off with some guy, like a goal or two from the third line second line, fourth line, like, you'd actually start to get go by, you know, guys that you wouldn't really think, and then the first line would kind of come to life and finish the job, and it wasn't, it, I actually got that kind of right, because Nordstrom had the first goal, um, Johansson had the second goal, and Corrali had the third goal, and then the last two were empty netters, so basically the whole game, those lower lines were your, your, they were kind of better lines that night. And then Bergeron had the empty netter, and um, Coyle had that uh, bit of a disrespectful uh, empty netter at the end there. Or I think it was vice versa, actually. I forget. They're just empty netters. So uh, one of them had that kind of disrespectful goal at the very end of that game. But w- whatever. Uh, it, I'll take it. It was a good game. Rask was phenomenal. Uh, on the other side, Frederick Anderson wasn't really his best game. He wasn't horrible, but he wasn't great. 30 shots, 27 saves is not great, but I called it. You'd get going uh, about some of those third-line guys, and it happened. Uh, I just thought some of your first-line guys would kind of finish it off, and it was just kind of those third-line guys the whole way through, which isn't my whole prediction, but I got most of it right. I also picked the Bruins would win. But a question I'll ask you guys, what does this mean for Mike Babcock? He's on a little bit of a hot seat riding in, but now the Maple Leafs constantly make the playoffs but have not won a playoff series since 2004. That is ridiculous. They constantly choke in Boston. I mean, that one back, what was that, 2010, 2011, when they choked that uh, 4-1 lead against the Bruins, that was amazing. I just forget what the score was so long ago. Uh, but that was incredible. Uh, but, I mean... Mike Babcock, what does this mean for him? Because that that's that's you haven't won since two thousand four. One playoff series, and they made it to the playoffs. Let me see. Let me look up uh, their playoff history. Um, sorry about the um, clicking, but no, I mean he might be on a um seriously might be on a hot seat. I mean I wouldn't be um shocked about it, but. <sighs> What do you guys think? That's what I want to know. Sorry, I was just looking at this. Uh, this isn't really showing me what I need to see, but yeah. Anyway, uh, sorry, got off track a little bit there. But um, tonight, I mean tomorrow, um, Bruins and Blue Jackets start. So um, tomorrow is probably going to be a ton of NFL draft plus uh, kind of recapping that first round a little bit. Uh, it's been a crazy round. Just to see the Hurricanes win. I, th- I told you, two teams to watch out for that weren't getting enough credit were the Blue Jackets, although I still picked the Lightning to win, the Hurricanes, although I still picked the Capitals to win, and the St. Louis Blues, who did end up winning, and I picked them to win. But, I don't know, Hurricanes-Capitals tonight will be a good, good game. Uh, Ovechkin uh, clapping in the ref's face, gets ejected game six, it could cost them the series. Uh, last game was uh, in Game Six. The Hurricanes won five to two. So, I mean, may not have made the whole difference, but no. I mean, we're gonna recap the first round, and then I'll 
NFL draft. So tomorrow's probably going to be a, a, a pretty long episode, probably. But that's my take on the Bruins game. Also, I said who had more at stake. I said it was the Bruins, so they won. Um, so, yeah, I mean, that's that's my – sorry, just don't know what I'm saying at the moment. All right, back on track. Uh, that's my take on the uh, Bruins game last night. So, yeah, let's dive into the NFL draft prospects. All right, so I'm just going to go down. Uh, this is Mel Kuyper's top 300 draft board. He made it just like a day ago, and it's his final big board and position ranking. So I'm just going to kind of go over some of those top prospects. I don't know how many we'll get through. We'll see on the time, but I'm just going off of his list starting at one, then two, then three. You get it, so that's how I'm getting the order. So first we're starting off with Nick Bosa. Bosa is by far I think the best player in this draft. He may not get picked number one overall because the Cardinals might select Kyler Murray, but he should be the. He's the best player in this draft. The only thing that can concern you is the injuries. He only had 10 college starts. But an interesting stat, in his 10 college starts, he had 17 and a half career sacks. Uh, that's just ridiculous. And that's just one of the many things that make this guy so great. He also has Joey Bosa in the NFL, so he has a sibling that's proving himself out there. And Bosa has injury problems. It's just the injury problems. The only way I can see this guy busting is due to injuries. But if the injuries don't hold him back, you know, don't ruin his career, he'll be a great player, just like Joey Bosa. Injuries, sure. I mean, it's gonna come with the price, but it's definitely worth uh, paying. He's six foot four, two hundred sixty-six pounds. He's just a beast. All right, coming in at number two is Quinnen Williams, a defensive tackle out of Alabama. Um, this guy, uh, he could make a uh, case he's better than Nick Bosa, but to me, it's Bosa. Uh, he is so he's so dominant in the interior. Uh, you know, he can really disrupt the run and pass game. Uh, he's really, I think, a little bit better of a pass rusher, in my opinion, but he can still stop the run uh, pretty well. I mean, he's ranked number two for a reason, and he's just an interior beast. 303 pounds, 6'3", out of Alabama, so he's got that good experience. Uh, this guy's just a beast inside, and you could argue he's the best player. I'd say I have to agree with Mel Kuyper so far. His one and two, I think both is the best than Quinn and Williams. But uh, moving on to number three. We have inside linebacker Devin White out of LSU. I think this is slightly high for White. I'd rank him more four or five, maybe, maybe six, but I don't really disagree too much. Uh, he's a little small. I mean, six foot, 237 pounds actually isn't that bad. Uh, but White is a great sideline to sideline player. The guy can just run the field, make tackles, make plays. Uh, and he never has to take a break, too. He's got the stamina. He's got the speed. He can tackle. He can really make plays. Uh, and he can also pass rush. Last year, he was second best in pressure percentage among FBS players with at least 100 pass rushes in 2018. So this guy could really put on pressure. He's a sideline sideline player. Again, can make plays. Uh, he's got the speed. He can. He's a three-down linebacker. He can play all the downs, and he can rush the passer. I mean, this guy is a great package, and I really like Devin White and expect him to at least, at least go in the top seven. Uh, I definitely think. Uh, in if I had a um, say. Uh, where I think he'll go, I think he will end up going uh, number five to the Buccaneers, if not number four to the Raiders. But, I mean, if he slips far, I mean, like, 
hard to pass up on this kid. All right, number four is Josh Allen. Uh, I saw this thing. Uh, CBS put Josh Allen, I think, outside their top 20, which is absolutely insane. I think this guy uh, has a little bit of bust potential for sure. Um, but he's 6'5", 262 pounds. So, you know, he's not the – he's tall, but he's not the, you know – thickest, but he has a great size and frame that I really like. Uh, you know, he's an outside linebacker, so he can really get to the, um, he can really get to the, um, sorry, really get to the quarterback. He played two seasons at Kentucky and had 31.5 career sacks. This guy can rack up sacks like crazy. Great pass rusher. I just think there's a little bust potential. Uh, I want to see how he translates into the NFL, but this guy will be good. I believe in him. Uh, then at number five, we have Devin Bush. Now, um, I look at Bush, and he's a little undersized. 234 pounds isn't really the problem, but he's 5'11". Uh, I'll definitely take Devin White over Devin Bush. Uh, Devin uh, White is a little bigger, and I'd say he's definitely a better player. Uh, Devin Bush uh, would be a great fit for the Steelers, but he's ranked number five here. Some people have Bush at like number five or number six. Some people have him all the way at 18. So he kind of ranges. I don't really see him going in the top five or six, to be honest. I think he'll fall a little bit, but he's definitely a great player. Um, he had 13 pass breakups over two seasons, which is tied for in the FBS uh, for fifth among power five linebackers. So, um, I, I like the kid, but definitely Devin White over Devin Bush. A few people have seven Devin Bush over Devin White, but I think most people agree with me there. You know, I, I like Devin Bush, but not as much as other people. I think five is a little too high, personally, for me. But moving on to number six, we have quarterback Kyler Murray out of Oklahoma. Um, I mean, he he's something else. Um, he... Threw for 11.6 yards per attempt last season, which is the highest in FBS history. Uh, if you know he's ranked kind of late first-round prospect because they were thinking, is he going to choose baseball or football? Chose football over uh, baseball. The things that have to concern you, though, is the height, you know, his arm, which I think is fine. But I'm not a huge believer in Kyler Murray, to be honest. It's not the height thing. I Just reports that I've heard that this guy was sweating and missing throws, just wide open with the receiver at his pro day. So can he handle the big stage? He won the Heisman. He's a great athlete that can really use his legs, sure. But, you know, how does his arm translate? Can he handle the, the big lights? And I'm sure he can. He's the Heisman winner. But at the same time, that those kind of things just make me wonder – He's a, just a little sketchy to me. I'm not, you know, he's a really a hit or miss guy, I think. Uh, and I'm not a huge believer. I'm not saying he will bust, but I hate on him a little too much, I know. But, you know, it, it's tough. It's hard, tough to read any of these quarterbacks. They could either be good or bust, really. Uh, and then there's, Kyler Murray definitely has the uh, highest ceiling, but then at number seven is Dwayne Haskins. Haskins is definitely the safer pick for Kyler Murray, but his ceiling is not as high. Uh, he's 6'3", 231 pounds. Um, you know, the athleticism has to scare you. Dwayne Haskins can't really scramble, but he's a great pocket passer. Um, I, I, I do like Dwayne Haskins. He's a safe-ish pick. He's not the safest pick, but he's probably the safest pick out of the quarterback. Yeah, Kyler Murray is probably going to get picked before him. 
uh, because, you know, the Arizona Cardinals or even the Oakland, Oakland Raiders. Uh, I think Murray's ceiling will definitely push him right ahead of Dwayne Haskins, but Haskins will be second off the board, I think, for quarterbacks. I'd say seven's a fair rating for Dwayne Haskins, the quarterback out of Ohio State. All right, then at number eight, we have TJ Hawkinson. He's 6'5", 251 pounds. This guy's a beast and has drawn Gronk-like comparisons. Uh, he is just a complete tight end. I don't think he will end up being Gronk, but I think he'll end up being very good. Uh, I had him in my latest mock draft that I went on the episode with you guys. I had him going to the Detroit Lions at exactly number eight. Um, so, I mean, yeah, it was number eight. So, I'd say this is a fair rating. You could say he's a little lower. I can't really put him above eight, but this guy's just a really complete tight end. I think the Lions will get him because they want to give Matthew Stafford a weapon, and they've shown they're eager to get a tight end. They picked Eric Ebron um, in the first round. He didn't work out. Um, he's doing good in Indianapolis as a red zone target, but he didn't work out there, so they're going to try to get the next guy. Also, they seem to really like Patriots players, Trey Flowers and Danny Amendola, and just in the past, and Matt Patricia, so that's a coach right there, too. And TJ Hawkinson has drawn some Gronk-like comparisons. I'm not saying he will be Gronk, but he's drawn some, drawn some comparisons, so I would not be shocked if the Lions take him, which not a lot of people think, which surprises me a little. Uh, but nevertheless, moving on to number nine, we have Ed Oliver, defense to tackle out of Houston. Uh, I don't even think we've seen the best of Oliver, uh, says Mel Kuyper. Uh, we'll see about that. Uh, Ed Oliver, um, <laughs> this guy's a beast. I think uh, if he falls out, I, I think this guy's a beast. I don't think he'll bust. I don't. Um, this guy was a beast at the um, at his like pro days and the combine. Uh, he was great. And I definitely think whoever's taking Ed Oliver is getting a beast. I love Ed Oliver. I think he's definitely going to work out. You know, 6'2", 287 pounds. He's got the size. Not the size of Quinn and Williams, uh, but close to it. He's 6'2". Quinn and Williams is 6'3", uh, 303 pounds. So, Williams a little bigger uh, frame and whatnot. But um, what happened? Um, so, I, I, I like Ed Oliver. So, um I just think this guy's a beast. I don't know what to say. Uh, I'm kind of at a loss for words uh, here. But I just think this guy's a beast. I think nine is a fair, fair rating. CBS had him actually, like, number two. Uh, I'd say that's too high, but Ed Oliver is a very good player. That's either going to fall into the mid-teens or could get a picked in the top ten. If you pick him in the mid-teens, you're getting a great player. And then at number ten, we have Montez Sweat. Um, I mean... Mel Kuyper says if Sweat keeps developing his arsenal of pass rushing moves, he'll average 10 sacks per season. I don't even disagree. Um, to me, Montez Sweat is a beast. This guy is an absolute menace. The only problem is that heart condition, which hurts to say. You know, you sit there and say, this guy has so much skill out of Mississippi State, the defensive end. Great size, 6'6", 260, not too heavy, got good size. And his heart condition might hold him back. He's a risky pick just for the heart condition. If the heart condition isn't there, I think he might go top five, top six, and at least and be a dominating pass rusher. As you can tell, this is a defensive-based draft. Uh, well, now, uh, I guess, unfortunately, um, I don't have ESPN+, Plus, so I can't read the rest of this. So I'm going to now transition over to a new big board. So let me pull that up. 
All right, so I've now pulled up Matt Miller's 2019 draft board from Bleacher Report, and I'm just going to skip over the guys we've already done, so let's get into this quickly. Uh, Jeffrey Simmons, D offensive lineman from Mississippi State. Uh, obviously, uh, he's a guy who had that injury, I'm pretty sure. So if he can develop, he'll definitely be a good player. I'm not a huge Jeffrey Simmons guy, to be honest. Uh, him and Montez Sweat were a great uh, duo, but not a huge uh, fan of his, but... We'll see what happens. And then, then at number eight, we have Jonah Williams, uh, outside tackle for Alabama. Now, I'm not great with these offensive linemen, but let's just say this is way too high. Uh, seven was too high for Jeffrey Simmons, I think. Some people have seven. Some people have them way lower. I am kind of lower. Uh, but Jonah Williams, number eight, is way too high. I know that. Uh, you know, I don't. I can't say a lot about him because I don't know a lot about him. He's one of those guys that I don't know a lot about, but number eight's way too high. Then number nine, we have Josh Jacobs, uh, another guy way too high. Uh, Jacobs definitely has, I'd say, top 20 potential, but the best running back in this draft, sure, but he'll be an early second-round pick, I think. He's not top 10. No, stop, please. Okay, moving on. Now we have Rashan, Rashawn Gary, an edge at uh, edge pa- uh, pass rusher off the edge of Michigan State. Sorry, some days I just can't talk, and one of those days is today. That's a problem as a podcaster, but <laughs> I'm just kidding. Moving on. Um, Rashan Gary, uh, Rashawn, Rashawn Gary, um, I think this guy has great potential, but he's a little overrated at first, and I think the he's starting to come back down to earth. I think he'll get picked in the mid-teens. Uh, I had him going 14 in my last mock draft to uh, the Falcons. I don't know about that anymore, but that was my last one. I think Gary just hasn't reached his potential. He has potential, but he hasn't reached it yet. So that's the thing. His production rate was not thrilling at Michigan. It just wasn't too, that bad, but certainly could have been better, but team see the potential and I think 10's a little little high but I can't really disagree too much and then now at number 14 we have AJ Brown uh I actually I actually like AJ Brown uh I think 14's definitely too high I really don't know who the best wide receiver is at this point we're gonna find out because there's so many just kind of around the same area like you don't know with these types of guys but I AJ Brown um I like him uh, AJ Hollywood Brown, but uh, we'll see. Him at Ole Miss with DK Metcalf was definitely um, interesting. That was an interesting one, but uh, 14's too high, I'd say. All right, now 15, we have Greedy Williams, cornerback at LSU. Greedy Williams is great. I love, you know, he's great man to man, but the only thing is. His will to tackle is not that great, and he's not fantastic in zone. Now, I think Reedy Williams is definitely a little overrated, but, I mean, it was just his will to tackle at LSU. If you can get him to tackle, I mean, this guy will be great. He's a great man-to-man. It's just, let's get the zone, and the guy doesn't tackle at all, which is a problem, so I think he's a little overrated, but it's good to see him at 15. I think that's a a fair rating. People have said he's top 10. I'm like, no, I, I think... People overrate him. All right, and then at number 16, we have Noah Fant, tight end at Iowa. This guy would be a great fit with the Patriots, let's just say that. Great 50-50 balls, good size. I like Noah Fant, uh, and I think he'll be solid, but I don't know if better than TJ Hawkinson. Hawkinson is definitely um, the best tight end in this draft. Fant could end up being better, but I just TJ Hawkinson's the best one. All right, and then number 17, we have Brian Burns, an edge rusher out of Florida State. Uh, I had him going number 12 to the Packers in my mock draft that I did like a few weeks ago. Yeah, that was like three weeks ago, a little over that. Um, but 
yeah, like three and a half. But anyway, Brian Burns is definitely one of the more underrated first round prospects. That is for sure. Um, I just, I think 17 a fair rating. I had him going number 12, but I think that's a bit of a reach. Uh, I, if I were to rate him, I'd probably rate him like 16 or 15, but 17 is pretty fair. I, he's just underrated in my opinion. And I like him. He's not my favorite, but I'll, I like him. Then at number 18, we have Byron Murphy, uh, cornerback at a Washington. I'm not a huge fan of this guy. Uh, he's great in zone, better tackler than Greedy Williams. He's just worse man to man. Uh, you know, Murphy's got some potential to be good. I'm not a huge fan of him personally, but we'll see how it all pans out. And then at number 20, we have Nikhil Harry. I'd say this is too high. He's probably at best a late first round prospect. 20 is just too high. Uh, he used to be the clear best wide receiver in this class around number 20, 18. He's just dipped ever since. Uh, he's an interesting prospect. I'm not really sure how he'll do. I'm not a huge believer of Nikhil Harry, but I wouldn't be surprised if he ends up working out either. Then number 21, we have Garrett Bradbury. Uh, Center out of NC State, North Carolina State. I love Bradbury. I remember he used to be ranked like a second or third round pick, and I said, whoever gets this guy is stealing, absolutely stealing center. And then finally after the draft combine, people recognized this guy's a first-round talent. So, see, I was right. I'm so glad about that. So that's something. This was before the podcast started. I This was probably back in December. I, you know, The college season was still going. This was way before I started podcasting, and I said – Bradbury, whoever's getting this guy for I don't really scout uh offensive linemen, but I like Bradbury. He's like one of those only ones I actually paid attention to. I don't know why. But I think whoever gets Bradbury is getting a NFL center, a great talent. I think this guy will make some Pro Bowls. I love Garrett Bradbury. Just don't ask why, just do. I really like him and I think he will work out very well. So I'm glad to see that my scouting skills are paying off. Uh Way better with the NBA when it comes to the draft, but I know enough about the NFL that I uh, noticed a third-round talent was a steal, and he ended up shooting up the draft boards to uh, this high, and I think 21's a fair estimate. Then we'll go over a few more uh, guys here. Um, we got uh, Cleland Farrell. Edge out of Clemson at number 23. I'm going to skip some of these guys and just go to some of the bigger names left. Um I, I like Cleveland Farrell. I think he'll be pretty good. Uh, I think with him, he'll be – I don't know why. I just have a feeling that he'll be a little inconsistent. I don't know why. Yeah, I don't know why. I just have that feeling. But I feel like overall he'll uh, mold in, into his own, if you will, and end up being a pretty good NFL player. Um Next, we'll go with Jawan Taylor, outside tackle out of Florida. I overrate this guy. I'll admit it. I am going seven to the Jaguars, which is too high. But I like Jawan Taylor, and I think he's going to work out. Personally, I think he's the best uh, offensive lineman in this draft. I mean, maybe Bradbury. Him or Bradbury, I'd say. Uh, Taylor's the best outside tackle. I don't think it's Andre Dillard. I don't think it's uh, Jonah Williams. I think it's... uh, just in my opinion, Shawan Taylor. I just like the guy, one of those offensive tackles. Again, I don't really know a ton about Jonah Williams, but Shawan Taylor, I can tell you, he's a good talent. Uh, if he falls that far, take him. All right, next we have Marquise Brown. Uh, I, I like Marquise Brown. Uh, Marquise Brown or AJ Brown, I kind of get the mess mixed up, but uh, Marquise Brown would be a great fit in Oakland. 
Uh, he's drawn Juju Smith-Schuster like comparison. So if he goes to Oakland all of a sudden, did Antonio Brown just get his Juju Smith-Schuster? And Antonio Brown's one of those guys who will get a few catches for a lot of yards. And Juju Smith-Schuster is someone who could kind of make up for his lack of catches uh, that he kind of had last year. Like He scored a lot of touchdowns just for a lot of yards per catch. He doesn't get a ton of catches. But Juju Smith-Schuster is someone who could kind of make up for his lack of catches as a number one wide receiver and kind of take pressure off of – uh, kind of draw some attention from the defense, take a little pressure off of Antonio Brown. So that would be great if they could land Marquise Brown. Uh, and then I'll go uh, with two more, uh, three more here. Uh, one, I'll go with DK Metcalf. Metcalf, because I know a lot about DK Metcalf. Uh, at number 32 here, I think 32 is definitely low. Uh, too low for DK Metcalf. I'd say he has the most potential uh, definitely in this draft. He obviously, you know, there's a high injury rate. Uh, the injuries have to scare you, his route running. But the thing, I'm not a huge DK Metcalf guy. He lit it up. Uh, he'd be a perfect fit in Buffalo because Josh Allen just has a cannon, likes to throw it downfield, and Metcalf just runs a straight line down the field. It's really the only route he runs, which is just kind of like uh, you run downfield. Like you're an injury-prone player with great size. You can win those 50-50 balls, but the only route that you can really run is downfield. That, that's not... It's really not going to succeed too well. I mean, you'll get out on the field, you know, for some 50-50 balls, especially with Josh Allen. He'll get his fair share of playing time, but I'm not sure if that's someone you can rely on week in and week out. Um, you know, just a guy who can really run, run one route needs to polish up that route running, and the injuries are really something you can't do anything about. But I know a lot about Metcalf, and he's overrated, finally came back down to earth. I'd say 32 is a little too low, but I'm not a huge fan. Also, his production rate was not fantastic at Ole Miss. All right, the next one we'll go with is uh, – actually, I'll do three more now. I said three more. We just did DK Metcalf. So I drew Locke in there. Drew Locke, quarterback out of Missouri. I like Locke um, personally. I don't think he's bad, but he's one of those guys he could. I think the odds, because something that people have asked me, what are the odds that he ends up being the best quarterback in this draft? And I'd say I'll give him 8%. Uh, There's not great odds. I think he could end up – Drew Locke is one of those guys, if he goes to the right team, he'll succeed. I think. I believe if he goes to the right team, he will succeed. Um, it just depends what team. Like, if he goes to, like, New England, he'll succeed. I mean, you're probably saying, obviously. But he has to go to the right team in the right system with a good coach who can coach this guy up. Uh, he has He's had the experience at Missouri. I'm pretty sure he played all four years. So he has experience, um, definitely. Uh, but just tra- if he can translate to the NFL level, I just think he has to go somewhere where he can be a good fit. Um, then next we have DeAndre Baker. Uh, personally, I really like Baker and I think he's ranked number 36 on here. I think that's way too low, uh, for DeAndre Baker. I think he's a first round talent. I like Baker a lot. I think he'll be a good cornerback for sure. And then the last one I'm going to touch up on is Andre Dillard. All right, now, actually, I'll do one more after that. Then we're done, I promise. All right, Andre Dillard, an outside tackle out of Washington State. I think 37 is also too low. I think he's probably a first-round talent. Some people overrate him a lot. Some people underrate him. No one really gets it just right. I think he's like a late first-round pick, somewhere in the 20s, um, is Dillard. Uh, I like Dillard. I think he'll be solid, just not the best off outside tackle. I think there's a chance he ends up being the best, but... 
I think he'll just be solid. Uh, and then the one more I want to go over is Will Greer. He isn't even ranked on here, uh, which, uh, well, on here they have him at number seven. I really like Will Greer. He used to be ranked as a first-rounder. Then his draft stock dipped. Um, but if you can draft Will Greer with, like, your third or fourth-round pick, I definitely pull the trigger. The guy has a strong arm, can make throws. But not only that, at West Virginia, he was calling his own plays. That's one of the big things going through the draft that people don't pay attention. People pay attention to, like, the stats and the draft combine and whatnot. But let you, if you can dig deeper and find out this guy, West Virginia trusted him to run his own plays and read the defense. That's something that not many college quarterbacks can do. Uh, I don't really think many ever really can do it. And Will Greer can. I think that's just one very important thing that people don't pick up on. Sure, draft combine wasn't thrilling or anything, but I definitely take a chance with this guy with the third or fourth round pick uh, because he's got a strong arm. Uh, he's definitely got some potential. He's, you know, he's all right scrambling as well, but just the ability to make his own reads, uh, I, I really like. I think for the Patriots standpoint, I'll uh, – I'm, if I'm the Patriots, I'm going to try to aim for either, I'd say the better fits that we actually have shot at would either be Drew Locke or Will Greer would make the most sense. I mean, yeah, then you're saying you just skipped over Daniel Jones. I'm not, I don't really like Daniel Jones, to be honest. Drew Locke could go number 10 to the Broncos or he could fall 32 to the Patriots, like anywhere. I would, wouldn't mind getting our successor, but I'm not sure we use a first rounder. Like if we pick Will Greer in the fourth round or with like one of our third round picks, I'm okay. That guy is potential and that kind of makes sense. Patriots like smart, smart players. Will Greer is one of them. So yeah, I mean, we're probably going to do more uh, NFL draft tomorrow. Uh, for the next few days, we're just going to get kind of preparing for the NFL draft even more tomorrow and then we're going to be recapping and recapping. We're also going to go over other stuff. It's not all going to be NFL draft um, but that's uh, mainly going to be the focus so thank you guys for listening and I'll see you next time.